Welcome to God at Work, Stories of Grace and Faith. I'm your host, Chuck Groover, and today I'm with Joe Alada. So Joe, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and how God has worked in your life to bring you to faith in Him? Yeah, I mean, I feel like God has been working in my life ever since I was uh, really little. I mean, that's such an open-ended question. I feel like I can <laughs> go all over the place. Uh, I... Uh, I like this story though. So I was invited uh, to Awana, which is just a little kids program at local churches. I was I was brought to an Awana uh, by my next door neighbor, and they invited me to go. And I was living in Tampa, and they invited me to this church way out in Temple Terrace. And so I went all the way out there every Wednesday, and I would earn my little Awana bucks, and uh, I loved it, loved it. And one night, uh, as we were coming home, we got in a car accident. And it was just a total fender bender. It was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. But it was before the days of cell phones. Uh, I know some of your listeners might not have any idea that that was a time that existed. Uh, but we didn't have a cell phone or anything. And so we're dealing with, you know, just the paperwork and the insurance stuff. And uh, we finally get home and it's after 10 o'clock at night. And my mom, of course, had assumed I was dead. I mean, of course I was more loved because I was an only child. And uh, so my mom, her world, I'm sure she had called the police and all the hospitals. And when she found out it was okay, I was never going to be allowed to go to Awana again. And I freaked out. I just threw a temper tantrum and she is just fine, fine. We'll find you another Awana. And we found an Awana right around the corner from where I lived. And uh, it was at First Baptist Church Citrus Park. And... Uh, that's the place that I ended up going to from when I was about five years old. I ended up working there as a, a youth pastor for six years. Uh, so I was there from age five to age 25, or 26. <laughs> and uh, I was there, I was brought to a uh, backyard Bible club, like a VBS at a, a lady's house. And uh, she shared the gospel and my little hand popped right up. And, and I really think, even though I was very young, I really see that as the time that uh, I trusted Jesus to be my savior. I, it made total sense to me. I just feel like God just saved me that day. And uh, I really, I don't have a testimony that I ran from God for years and years. I, I really saw God just start to grow me and change me and mold me. And uh, he just kept me close to him in, uh, in everything he did. So as I grew up, I'm not saying I did everything perfect, just... Overall, didn't ever run from God. I always was trying to grow in my faith. And at 16, I was at a, uh, a camp. I was at Word of Life Camp uh, in Hudson. And I had gone to that camp years and years and years before that. And every, every year at the end of camp, you, or at the end of the week of camp, you, you throw a stick in the campfire. And that can symbolize some sin you're getting rid of or you're dedicating your life to Christ. I guess the stick can mean whatever you want it to mean. And uh, that year... Uh, was the last year I threw a stick in the fire. It was after my, uh, after my 10th grade year. And I, I didn't need to throw another stick in the fire because God had radically changed my life. It was, it was just this moment of, Joe, are you all in? Are you all in uh, on this? And I, I just remember just kind of sitting there with God and just saying like, yeah, I, I'm all in. I, just, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I can remember the next year at camp, every kid goes forward to throw a stick in the fire. And I just sat there with all the other bad kids that don't want to dedicate their life to Christ. 
And I remember a counselor coming up to me, putting their arm around me, like, what's going on, man? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm great. I really, I gave my life to Christ last summer, and I meant it. I don't have anything else to throw in the fire. And uh, God has just been molding me and shaping me. And again, I, not that I didn't do some stupid stuff in between, but uh, again, I praise the Lord that he kept me close to him. He kept me from making any kind of really life-altering mistakes. And I'm, I'm not saying I would have if not put in the right situation, but I feel like God even protected me from those situations and protected me from myself <laughs> in many circumstances. And so I praise the Lord for that the testimony that God has uh, allowed me to have. I also know that just with you being a pastor and also working as a professor at a Christian college that you probably also have stories of just how you've seen God working through you to probably reach other people. Yeah, no doubt. I can, uh, I, I like, I, what I see in myself right now is I couldn't write a better job description for what I get to do. I get to, I get to pastor and I get to pastor pastors. And I've seen how God has been like just kind of opening up some doorways and and encouraging me and challenging me in some areas that I really want to train up those that are, are ministry ready. They're almost there. They're they're on the cusp of becoming pastors and becoming missionaries and becoming youth pastors, or they're just starting that journey. And, and I want to help them. I, I was a young. It wasn't that long ago. I was a young pastor. Uh, I was a young youth pastor. I was a young pastor, and I saw the challenges that I faced. And I want to fast forward them through some of those. Some of them, they have to go through some of those challenges. No, there's no way around them. But I want to help them, and I want to help prevent um, some of the sins that so easily beset that I've seen. So many of the people I've worked with are out of ministry now because of sin or burnout or other things like that. That I want to help. I want to help prevent that. I want more pastors, more youth pastors, more missionaries, more lay people that want to serve high-capacity ministry areas in life. And so that's what I get to do at Trinity College. Uh, and it's the same way I try to run ministry here. As much as I'm you know, pastoring everyone, I'm kind of always trying to look for people that they're like, wow, they're just about to take that next step. Let me see what I can do to help kind of fast-forward them. Um, Fast forward from there, really kind of pour in some discipleship over a couple month period, over a couple year period, short term, that can just kind of help wind them up and set them loose and let them go and start doing the things they know God has called them to do. And maybe you just are a little bit scared to totally go all in on it. <laughs> well, do you have any other stories of maybe how you've seen God working? Yeah, uh, I think they're so... So many things. Um, one one fun story I like to tell uh, is just when I seen God start working on me in a particular area, he was starting to work on me in the area of prayer. And, and I'm just a guy, I've always been kind of full speed ahead. I, I kind of view myself as like, okay, I'm the ship, God's the wind, and just blow me any direction you want me to go. All right, and and if if it goes left, I'll go left, and if you you know the wind goes right, I'll go right, and I feel like a moving ship is easily turned. Uh, well, I had a couple instances in my life. I was um, as well as being a youth pastor, I was also working as an athletic director, and I uh, I, I I made a mistake, and that's how I say it. Like I, I still probably think the. Uh, Florida High School Athletic Association thinks I was probably trying to cheat, but it really was a total mistake. I had a homeschooler 
playing on our team. And right when you do that, when you have a homeschool player playing on the team, there's all kinds of paperwork you have to do. And, you know, it just is what it is. Tim Tebow rules. Uh, and I did all this paperwork, but I, I forgot. There was a paperwork I turned in late, and it didn't get approved. And I had to just fix something on it, but it kind of just got put on the top of my desk, and then more things piled on top of it. And I have never actually got that paper approved. So this player was literally playing illegally all season long. And when it starts looking like, and when it becomes a $2,500 fine per game they played in, playing in 33 games or 32 games, I think it was, uh, that was more than my budget for my whole athletic program, let alone a fine I could afford to pay to the FHSAA. I thought I was going to shut the school down. And I just, I, I started running through every scenario and started writing letters and started like getting indignant and I was angry. I'm like, this is a mistake. People are actually trying to cheat out there and I, I made a mistake and I get fined, you know, $100,000. Uh, I was just furious and I, I'm so thankful I kind of just heard that still small voice of you were being negligent, Joe. You were negligent in your, in your duties and you're negligent in a lot of areas in your life. You're negligent in your marriage and you're negligent in your relationship with me. You're negligent in your prayer life. You're negligent in reading of scripture. And I can just remember laying down flat on the ground and I didn't realize how dirty my uh, faux wood laminate floors were until you're laying <laughs> flat on your face, just kind of prostrate before God and just begging for forgiveness for my negligence and just started to pray and, and just started to recover over the next few days and just started to turn that more and more to prayer and getting up early and praying and praying for people and praying for situations and my prayer time got longer and longer and longer and I just started praying more and more and more and I finally had a piece to go and uh, I, I wrote another letter to the Florida High School Athletic Association and I found some other mistakes that I had made. And because we were in the basketball now, we're in the next sport. That was volleyball and the basketball now. And I found some more mistakes I made that I didn't get approved yet. And I, I just self, uh, uh, self-inflicted wounds of just telling them all the things I'd done wrong to the book. And I found a whole bunch of them. And a couple weeks later, and I, I really had such peace about it. I wasn't staring at the mail or anything. I'm still praying every day, hour, like hour and a half a day. And I get this letter in the mail from the FHSA that my fine has now been reassessed to $400 because of uh, self-reporting. I self-reported the crimes, therefore $400 assessment. And I'm sure if I would have gotten a $400 fine, I would have been angry and cursing on the inside. I wouldn't have cursed on the outside, but I would have cursed on the inside. I would have been so angry. And... Uh, <laughs> And instead, I'm jumping up and down for joy over a $400 fine. I mean, that's what God can do in your life. Get your $400 fine you praise the Lord about. Well, uh, I, it was pretty soon after, a couple months, maybe a year after, I had one of my uh, youth leaders suggest, hey, Joe, we always do tons of fun stuff in youth group. We go whitewater rafting, and we go all-nighters, and we go uh, snow skiing. And we always do all this fun stuff. And, and why don't we go do something very different? Why don't we go and take them on a, a prayer retreat? that we just go and pray, and I'm like, I love it, let's do it. And so normally I'm standing up with intro music, uh, like to the final countdown or something like that, and getting to advertise like what our next major event is for the fall. 
And this time I said, okay, in October, we're going to go on a prayer retreat. We're going to get the van and we're going to pray. And then we're going to get to the retreat center where we're going and we're going to pray. And we're going to wake up and we're going to pray and we're going to eat lunch and we're going to pray. And then we're going to drive back the next day and we're going to pray on the way back. All right, we're going to pray all the time. That's it. There's going to be nothing else going on except prayer. And I had a big youth group. I had a, I had a youth group of about 100. Uh, and I had uh, 12 students sign up for that and pay money to go to that. And I was pretty excited about that. They had eight leaders and 12 students. So we had about 20 people. And I was so proud that that many people wanted to go on a prayer retreat. And so that's what we did. We started praying. The first night we're there, we're praying. And we're just doing popcorn prayers. Popcorn prayer, uh, they're praying for the president, they're praying for their family, they're praying for their sick aunts, and they're praying for school. And while I'm in this room, it is freezing. It is absolutely freezing in our little cabin. And so I start looking for a thermostat around the room. I look everywhere for this thermostat, and I can't, I can't find one anywhere. I circle that room like three times, and there's nothing in there. So I sit back down, and I'm just shivering. I did not bring enough clothes. It's like it's getting like in the 50s. And so I open the door and go outside and start looking around for like the air handler. There, it's out there. The condenser is just spinning a million miles an hour. There's like icicles forming on it. And I, I'm going to like rip it out from the wall. I'm just going to unplug that thing from the wall to shut this thing down. And I couldn't. It's like cemented into the wall. I cannot figure out where uh, to turn this air conditioning off. And I go back inside. And I'm sitting there and I'm putting every piece of clothes that I have on. And I, I'm looking around and all these other guys are shivering. And I, I get this little just kind of thought. Why don't you pray for the air conditioning to get turned off? And so I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I start praying silently to myself. Yes, Lord, if you could uh, please turn off the air And I just kind of felt like, I felt like there was like a little angel on one shoulder, a little demon on the other shoulder. The angel saying like, hey, pray out loud. Pray out loud so that everyone can hear it. And then the little, the little demon on my shoulder saying like, no, but if, if, if God doesn't answer this prayer at the start of a prayer retreat, your prayer retreat's ruined. And I'm like, yeah, I should just pray it silently. And the little angel's, no, pray out loud. And the little demon's like, no, come on, what's the difference? It's the same thing. And I really, I think all this took place in like literally 0.1 seconds. But it felt like an eternity to me, going back and forth. Am I going to pray this out loud or am I going to pray it silently? What's it going to say if I pray this out loud and God doesn't turn off the air conditioner? Like he just might not. That might not be in his will. And, and I'm like, you're really going to throw off everybody in here. I'm not going to – if the first kind of prayer request that God can answer right here, right now, and he doesn't do it, they're not going to believe in prayer. They're not going to believe in God. They're all going to become atheists. And I – I don't know. I was just overcome, overwhelmed. I, I couldn't hold it any longer. And I just blurt out, God, will you please shut off this air conditioner? I am freezing. And like a depowered transformer, it immediately shut down. All of us guys, our eyes like pop open. And I, we look around. And like, did you just see that? That was unbelievable. And we start running around the room and we're just like, oh, wow, that was incredible. Wow, wow, wow. And I can remember running around the room like twice, so I was exhausted. And I go into the bathroom. I remember huffing and puffing. And I looked into the mirror and I remember feeling so guilty that I didn't think that God was going to answer that prayer. I knew he could. It wasn't a capability issue. 
It was, would he? And I just remember looking and I said, of course he will. Of course he'll answer those prayers. But it's really something that he gets all the glory. And he's on display. And you know, you just feel like God is prompting you and just kind of making you pray this. Do it. And I think if I pray it silently, maybe I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, God, that was awesome. Thanks for doing that. But because we prayed it out loud, all the boys that were in there, we have this huge praise now. We say it even when I see those guys to this day. It's like, hey, remember, God is the God that can turn off air conditioners. We have a God that can turn off air conditioners. Whatever the problem you might be facing, our God can turn off air conditioners. And so we have like our little you know pile of rocks to remind us of some of the miraculous things that God still does. It's so simple and so stupid. And I feel like I got a million little things like that. I think there's so often I've seen God answer prayers and I've seen God change lives and I'm so thankful. I don't need to see any other things that God has shown me and I'm thankful he keeps showing me cool stuff and I'll keep telling about it. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Awesome. And again, this is Chuck Groover with Joe Alada and that's God at Work. Thank you for listening to God at Work, Stories of Grace and Faith. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at God at Work Podcast. If you have comments, suggestions, or a story you would like to be considered for the podcast, you can email us at stories at godatworkpodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash God at Work podcast, or you can also support us by leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. God at Work, Stories of Grace and Faith, is brought to you by Becoming God's Man Ministries and is recorded and produced by me, Chuck Groover. Theme music for God at Work is by the band 39 Stripes and can be found at facebook.com 39stripes. And again, thank you for listening.